It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Monday, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, just getting ready for another uh, jazz basketball game, which seems uh, like these games are coming fast and furious. In fact, that's uh, that's where I'll start, Chris. How do you think the compact schedule is impacting things? Uh, Gordon and I had this chat the other day that maybe we'll see more random you know, outcomes, uh, random losses to inferior teams, that sort of thing from teams because of the condensed schedule. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's, that, that's a possibility. Um, you know, you, you're seeing the three and four nights, you know, things that the NBA worked hard to legislate out, you know, years ago, uh, making their comeback because of this condensed schedule. And I think you have seen some, some clunkers, you know, over the last, uh, you know, a few months and probably based on that schedule. But the good thing is that, you know, everyone has to deal with it. So it's not like, you know, one team's getting, you know, a nice breezy week and other teams not like everybody's having to, to deal with, but I'm sure it has had some kind of, of impact in select games where, you know, teams for whatever reason, whether it's fatigue or, you know, mental fatigue, they just haven't been able to get up for it. And, um, you know, the teams that are mentally sharper, maybe that gives them an edge in games like that. Chris, have you noticed an increase in injury, a legitimate injury, because of the compact schedule? Not really. Um, we've seen some nagging injuries. Brooklyn's been been victimized by it as much as anyone with, you know, their two star players. Um, I guess, you know, hamstring injuries can be the kind of thing that, um, you know, that with a compressed schedule, if you don't give it enough time to to, to rest and and recover, you can. Uh, have some some flare-ups uh, you know what Anthony Davis is dealing with in in um, in LA I mean that's I don't know that I would contri- can, I would chalk it up to the condensed schedule but it's something significant he's had to deal with I, I don't think you know in, in a way the league's been lucky in that sense I don't think we've had uh, an injury that you can attribute to the shortened schedule and you know I think everyone in the league office was probably wary I know they were wary of you know that kind of season-ending Achilles injury or something that that disrupts the balance of power both this year and beyond um, because of this condensed schedule. We haven't had that. We've had some, some injuries, but nothing that you would say is any different than what we've seen in previous seasons. Chris Mannix with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, uh, the Jazz have the Wizards tonight, and uh, you the team with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, you would think would be at least competitive. That hasn't been the case yet. The jazz lost to this team a couple of weeks ago. Give us your take in a nutshell on, on the wizards and where they're at right now. Well, I mean, they're, you know, they, they tried to shake things up at the start of the year, obviously with the Russell Westbrook trade. And that has had some moments. I think Westbrook has been better for them um, over the last you know month or so post all-star break. He's his numbers suggest that he is, you know, not as as big a gunner as he was early on. It's being more selective with his shots. But, you know, it's another team that injuries have, have significantly impacted from a Thomas Bryant injury early in the season to some nagging ones that they've had to deal with. Their strength is in their backcourt. I mean, it's, if, if you can slow down or force Beal and Westbrook to shoot at a low percentage, you, you oftentimes beat Washington. Uh, but those two guys are – 
are incredibly dangerous. Um, you know, they're, they're too good. They're too, as too good a score as you're going to find uh, in the NBA this season. And when they get rolling, they're, they're really tough, but you know, finding support for those guys, finding the right chemistry, that's been really problematic for the Wizards. If you look at the way they've played, they've had stretches where they've won, you know, six out of eight, you know, five out of seven, things like that. And they've had, you know, other stretches where they've lost five, six, seven games uh, in a row. So they've been, you know, so inconsistent, so unpredictable that it, it's hard to get a read on which Wizards team is going to show up on any given night. Chris, is your opinion changing at all about the teams that are at the top in both conferences? We ask you every week about the Jazz still have the best record in the league. Uh, is your opinion right where it's been? Pretty much. I, I haven't seen anything to sway it one way or or the other. I've been you know, spending the last few weeks working on something on the Jazz, actually, that, that'll run in the magazine next month. And, you know, it, it just – the, the connectivity of this team just really continues to impress me. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's it's you know overstating it to say that these guys are really all on the same page. Not just the Donovan Rudy stuff, but you know everybody seems to be in lockstep uh, with each other. Um, it's it's pretty interesting to talk to as many people as I've I've talked to to to, to come away with with that impression. Now that doesn't guarantee anything, of course. I mean. You know, ultimately, it comes down to, you know, can you get stops on the wing? I think that's going to be a, a, an issue for the Jazz come playoff time because who is their defensive stopper? Is it Royce O'Neal? How many minutes can you play Royce O'Neal? Uh, is, is anybody else going to step up? And, you know, when it comes down to individual shot making, is Donovan Mitchell as good as in the playoffs as he's been in the regular season? So I, there's still unanswered questions. But, uh, you know, this team really believes in itself. And, you know, sometimes that's just lip service, but – the impression I get is that, you know, they believe top to bottom that, that they're going to surprise a lot of people come playoff time. Is it working as well as uh, everyone seems to think with Aaron Gordon in Denver? Uh, yeah. I mean, last yesterday's game notwithstanding, which was a disaster for, for the Nuggets against Boston, uh, but, you know, sometimes that happens on Sunday afternoon games. Uh, Gordon's been excellent. He's been as advertised, he's been a third scorer. He's been a defensive stopper. He's given them everything they could have wanted, um, you know, from that trade. And, you know, with, with Jokic and, and Murray, who sat out the game yesterday, but those two guys will give you all the offense you need. If you can just get, you know, one guy, you can throw out those big bodies like LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George, you know, you're going to put yourself in position to, to win a lot of games. I mean, I, I think Denver, you know, they, they're another team that, I think has a real chance of upsetting the apple cart and and doing something impressive uh, in these playoffs. I mean, look, it, it, honestly, a lot of it comes down to seeding too, right? I mean, you know, the Nuggets right now are battling for positioning. They could wind up with the Lakers in the first round at full strength. Hell, the Jazz could wind up the Lakers in the first round. Who knows how this is all going to shake out over the next month? Um, so it's hard to predict how far a team will go. But you know, Gordon, he, he just what the doctor ordered for that team. Like he's he's given them exactly what they were missing at that position. Chris, let me ask you to join in a conversation Jake and I were having earlier in the show, and it has to do with uh, reviewing replays uh, and such to change calls. Uh, Jake, I don't want to misrepresent your position on this, but you're a little fed up with the constant replay and and how many times they don't seem to necessarily get the call right. And we were applying that to all sports, not just basketball. What do you feel about that? Do you think it's overdone? Do you think they missed too many calls in review? Or do you think it's uh, overall for the good? I think it's overall 
for the good. I think that they don't need to review everything in the last two minutes. I mean, just because a player twirls his fingers doesn't mean you have to go to the replay. If you're confident in your decision that that you got it right, I don't think there's a need to waste three minutes, you know, reviewing a pretty obvious uh, play. Um, on the flip side of it, I would like to see, you know, uh, a coach if he challenges a a call and gets it right, he should be able to keep a challenge going forward. Right now, it's if you challenge, you get one, you get one shot at challenging. That's it. Um, and even if you win, it's an obvious way to win. You don't get that challenge back. That's why you see so few challenges early in games, and why it's almost nuts to to challenge. Uh, early in games, even if you're 100% sure you're going to get the call right, it's better off to have that in your pocket for the last five minutes of, of, of a close game in the fourth quarter. I like to see coaches get to keep a challenge if they get it right at least once in that, in that process. So it's got some, some kinks that need, to, that need to be worked out. It definitely slows the game down, especially, as I said, when they start reviewing literally everything at the end of games. That can drive me a little bonkers. But uh, overall, I think it's been good for the game because we haven't had – too many situations at the end of games where a referee has decided it. And, and that, that to me is certainly a, a positive. What do you think about Alex Rodriguez now becoming a, a part of an NBA ownership group or certainly a, a name that headlines it? Well, I mean, it means that for the foreseeable future, we're going to be hearing about the Timberwolves moving to Seattle. I mean, that's, that was my first reaction to it all. I mean, A-Rod, of course, has a long history uh, with Seattle, we know the NBA wants to get a team into Seattle one way or the other. Um, you know, I read the comments Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Timberwolves, made about, you know, new ownership, you know, agreeing and writing to keep the team in Minnesota. I don't know how enforceable that is. I mean, when you buy something, you own it. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, you can't – there's going to be ways out for any owner to, uh, to – to, if he wants to find a way out. And until – this new ownership group commits to like, you know, $500 million to refurbishing target center or, you know, private equity money to, to build a new arena in Minnesota. I'm, I'm just going to be wary of uh, the Timberwolves being one of those teams to uproot and leave. I mean, they, they seem right for it. I mean, they're, they're a bad team. They've historically not done great attendance numbers. Uh, they are in a reasonably sized market. That's not really an issue, but they haven't had the, the kind of strength and support that, that you've expected or you'd hope for over the years. So, I mean, that's, this is just going to be an ongoing thing, no matter what, you know, Glenn Taylor says, no matter what Alex Rodriguez and his business partners say in the, the months to come, uh, you know, until, until they actually put skin in the game and skin in this case is money uh, to keeping the Timberwolves in Minnesota. There are going to be a lot of anxious people out there wondering if uh, the Timberwolves days in Minnesota are numbered. Chris, we asked you a little bit about this uh, during last season, when the, you know, the, the effects of COVID were having such a drastic financial effect on the league about expansion and how that might be a way to get some of the money back. Are you a proponent of expansion, or do you think that would water down the, the, the league too much? No, it, it would water down the league in, in worse ways than it's already watered down. I mean, all you really have to do is go back and look at, you know, the off-season rankings from ESPN or Sports Illustrated or whoever – does them look at like the last 30 or 40 guys on on those rankings like they shouldn't be in the nba like they're, they're, there's there's a lot of non-nba talent right now competing in the nba by expanding all you're doing is adding 30 more players to that and it's going to make the product that much worse 
uh, moving forward. Now, you could theoretically do it. I mean, you're not going to expand by one. You're always going to go two to keep the balance even. You could put in Seattle and Vegas and then move, say, Memphis and New Orleans to the Eastern Conference and, and create a dynamic that works. But I just I, I don't think expansion is the answer. It, it is a, an easy way to get money. You know, the expansion fees of billions of dollars that could flow into the owner's pockets. I mean, that's that's an easy, quick way to make a buck. We saw the NHL do it um, with, with Seattle as well. So, you know, it's not unprecedented, but I think the long-term effect is bad. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're an NBA owner, yeah, it's been tough financially for you over the last calendar year, but it's only going to get better. You got a new TV contract coming in, in the next couple of years. That's going to you know break all kinds of basketball records for, for con for TV money. Uh, just maybe just let's not get so greedy and, and destroy the product any more than it already is by, by expanding by two more teams. But they're good at greedy, Chris. You know, greedy's <laughs> greedy's easy. I mean, the old Gordon Gecko line. Yeah, I guess greed is good for some, but I don't. I, I don't see it as as being the solution. It's just it's it's you're just gonna have bad basketball. Yeah. Already, basketball is pretty bad at this point. I mean, there's there's not a lot of. I mean, the quality of play has not been great. Like, I mean, maybe that's something to do with the pandemic. Maybe that's something to do with. I don't know, whatever, but it just it just seems like every year the quality of play gets worse and, and we keep, teams keep becoming so reliant on the three-point shot. I mean, that that, that seems to be like the, the save for quality of play in basketball, just being able to make threes, and I think it's masked some of the problems with, with the basics in the NBA. Chris, thank you very much as always. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, our friend, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated, does a podcast as well with uh, one of our other daily assist guests, uh, Howard Beck. Make sure you check that out, the crossover uh, podcast.